Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcast. Now part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Reska, and welcome back to our podcast. This is a topical one. Well, yeah, <laughs> definitely a topical unless, one. Unless you're listening to this like on Easter. In, like, yeah, this is definitely one that's, I don't know if this is going to be like a, a repeat listen one. You probably can listen to it once once a year or something like that. <laughs> but yeah, today we're going to look back on the um, first ever Thanksgiving, a little bit on the history of Thanksgiving, how a lot of the traditions that Americans and Canadians celebrate on Thanksgiving um, came to be. We've done these before, like Halloween and Christmas, but we were surprised we never did one on Thanksgiving before. Yeah, I'm very surprised that we never did one on Thanksgiving. Like, we started looking back and we're like, dude, I don't think we ever did Thanksgiving, which is a crazy, awesome story. I mean, obviously disputed, controversial today. Well, that's what um, it is. It's a story. It's a story. There's facts there and it does create a history. But well, I guess what we learned in grade school, I got really shifted. I mean, right? the issue now is that it's not that what the celebration of Thanksgiving is being diminished because we do have sources that describe this. So we know for a fact as feast that took three days of celebrating the harvest did take place. It was the first Thanksgiving, although it wasn't cold the first Thanksgiving at the time. Like none of that is disputed. Uh, The Native Americans and the first colonists got together. They were friendly. Like none of that is disputed. However, many Americans, particularly Native Americans closer to modern times, think that celebrating Thanksgiving, not that it's incorrect, that it is correct. It did happen. But it masks the true story and history of the oppression and bloodshed that exemplifies the relationship between European settlers and Native Americans. The assumption is that by talking about Thanksgiving and glorifying Thanksgiving, you're almost diminishing the not-so-good relations between Native Americans and the European settlers. Yeah, it, it was good for three days, but it wasn't good that much yeah. afterwards. <laughs> Although there was a second Thanksgiving that people that we also documented. A lot of people don't know that it was a, official two years later. There was a second Thanksgiving, often forgotten. So the first one was 1621. The second one was in 1623. But let's uh, let's kind of get into this idea of like, all right, why Plymouth? Why Thanksgiving? What happened? And then we'll get into the holiday itself and kind of tell you how that happened. A little happened. bit of that, yeah. Well, basically the relationship between the uh, Indians and Native Americans, right? The Wampanoag mm-hmm. yep. and, and the Pilgrims, it was start off, it was very mutual beneficial, right? Yeah. Um, when the Pilgrims first arrived on uh, Plymouth in Massachusetts. And the years just before the Pilgrims arrived, a lot of the natives were actually wiped out by a mysterious disease. And they're still trying to figure out what this was. So it, it wasn't those um, European diseases yet because they didn't have any- um, They weren't there yet. Yeah. They wouldn't have any contact with them. When the pilgrims came there, the Native Americans taught the Native Americans. Well, taught them how to farm. Yeah. Well, they taught them how to farm, particularly with fertilizer, using the fish remains as fertilizer. They were really able to grow um, plants and beans, maize, corn. And because they were able to do that, and they were able to teach these pilgrims really how to survive on that land. The thing that was really happening here that makes the two come together is because the situation for the pilgrims is really not that great either. So while the Wampanoags are not really going through good times. Neither really are the pilgrims. When they they meet each other. 
Yeah. When the Mayflower uh, arrived in Plymouth in 1620, right? So it was 102 passengers. The Mayflower arrives. And initially, they wanted to arrive by the Hudson River. As we already know, if you study your history, winds, unfavorable conditions, one up bringing them to New England as opposed to New York. And that is not initially where they wanted to land. Have you ever been to Plymouth? Uh, no, but I know it's cold. Yeah, it is cold. It was a, it was an uncomfortable crossing. I think they said it was lasted over 66 days. So they yeah. got dropped off at Cape Cod, north of where they wanted to go from the Hudson River. First of all, like if you go to Plymouth now, there's the f- famous Plymouth Rock. Plymouth and you Rock, literally yeah. You look down and it, it's like a rock. And, and like, you know, I remember taking the kids and they're like, this, this is the rock. And I'm like, well, they say this is the rock, but like, we don't really know what rock like they landed on. Uh, Did you smell near. what the rock was cooking or no? No, I got nothing. You it's, don't get that reference, but it's okay. Because, you know, rock, I assume it's WWE, right? That's so, where yes, you go with this. Yes. See? See? You've taught me well. Needless to say, it takes about a month, as you mentioned, for the Mayflower to cross. They get into uh, what becomes known as Massachusetts Bay. They set up this new colony. Like we mentioned, the situation is kind of dire for these guys, and most of them do die out. Quite frankly, when you think of the first winter that the colonists are here in Plymouth, so 78% of the women who had traveled in a Mayflower perished within the first winter. Only about 50 colonists were left that attended the first Thanksgiving out of the 102. And according to eyewitness accounts that survive, the first Thanksgiving only had... Among pilgrims, you had only 22 men, four women, and 25 children or like preteens, teenagers. Most of the people during the first Thanksgiving were actually the Wampanoag Native Americans because the colonists were wiped out. They wind up meeting Squanto. So Squanto, you know, I always think of like when I go to my kids' plays when they were little. I'm sure your kids have them too. Like who's going to play Squanto? Well, they don't They do not do that anymore. They don't? It's really? Like that, not where we it's maybe so- other parts of the country, but they don't do those Thanksgiving Day parades with like the uh, improper programs and the really- See, my kids still did it. Well, you're right. Actually, my younger one, I don't know if he did it. Only my older one did it. Ah. Yeah, they don't They do not do that. I, I remember to um, the, t- the teachers in school, like, oh, we're doing Thanksgiving. We're teaching the kids the history of Thanksgiving. We're going to dress up like Indians and pilgrims. And they were like, yeah, no, you're not going to do that. <laughs> like, that's not oh, wow. something that you're going to do. So that doesn't really work. And that was years ago. They meet Squanto, who actually was not native to that area. He was part of the Paltuix tribe. Yep. And he was actually kidnapped by the English, by an English sea captain, sold into slavery before this. He actually, he escaped from London and returned yeah. to his homeland. He's got Which a whole is why story. He spoke English. Yeah. yeah, he's got a whole story there. But when he comes over, he meets up with these pilgrims and he What's teaches them. What's left of them? What's, What's left, left of them? This yeah. is after the winter, yep. And they are incredibly malnourished and in illness. Like this is what they're saying. Winter will just wipe people out. Like if you're not yep. prepared, if you don't have food, if you don't have shelter, you're gonna you're gonna get wiped out. So he's teaching them like basic things, just like how to catch fish in the rivers, what plants to eat, what plants to avoid. You know, because if they're just eating anything they find, you're like, no, yeah. well, that's poisonous. Teach them how to get sat from the trees and stuff like that. But he's the one that introduces them to the, the, the local Wampanoag. tribe in the area, which yeah. is the Wampanoag. And they actually formed this mutual friendship that does last for over 50 years. It's one of the best examples of uh, early European colonists and a Native American kind of like mutual relationship and mutual respect. It does last for 50 years. And then it ends horribly. One of those no, things it, that, yeah. that like people talk about in history, but... Yes, so let's but get it, into the but, first but, Thanksgiving, right? Well, it, in November of 1621, the pilgrims actually have their first successful harvest, particularly because of Because of what they learned, right? Because yeah, of because of what they learned. learned. So the governor, uh, William Bradford, which you hear about in all the history books at this time, yeah. he organized a celebratory feast and he invited the colonists and their Native American allies to come together and have this first Thanksgiving. And the pilgrims themselves probably never, they didn't probably call it that at the time, right? Yeah. But it was a three-day festival. There's no real records of it. 
that exist. We don't know exactly what they ate on it, although we knew some things probably. But a lot of historians suggest that many of the dishes were likely prepared by the Native Americans and using their spices, their cooking methods, because that's what they had. Because the pilgrims, didn't really, they didn't have ovens on the Mayflower. They didn't yeah. have much sugar or anything like that left, if there was any. All right. So, you know, it didn't have No, pies. they were like, they just barely survived. Yeah. There was no pies. They forget it. There was no pies, desserts or anything like that, which have become, you know, Staples. staples since then. And we'll talk about yeah. that. Why? They probably didn't even eat a turkey. They think there was venison, which is deer. Deer, exactly. So I started looking at into this, like what did they actually eat? So there's a lot of guesses as to what they eat. So we know that they met, that is written down, but we don't know what they ate. So there's a lot of guessing going on when it comes to historians, archaeologists, just trying to figure out exactly what they ate. This is written down that they did eat meat because one of the yeah. witnesses wrote that the Wampanoags arrived with an offering of five deer. So likely they roasted these this deer. And then a lot of people speculate, culinary historians speculate that maybe they made some stew from the remnants of it. But likely yeah. there was no turkey. It was just deer. He said it might have been ducks or geese. There maybe was a turkey or some saying because there was a mention of a fowl that someone they bring a fowl. So some sort of bird was consumed, but they don't think it was actually a turkey. Um, they did eat squash. Um, probably shellfish. They think they definitely a lot of fish. I did see that. There was a lot I mean, of shellfish and fish. Location, overall. it makes sense. Yeah, yeah. They, they believe that most of it actually consisted of seafood, which is kind of crazy because that's almost gone and completely absent from today's uh, Thanksgiving feast. But uh, mussels, particular, abundant in New England at the time and easily harvested. They said because they clung to rocks in the shoreline. Then they said there was like cottage cheese. Lobster was probably huge, so likely they had lobster during the first Thanksgiving. And then when you start looking into like what veggies they ate or what fruit they ate, corn was present. They said, all right, highly likely the first harvest they had local vegetables would include onions, beans, lettuce, spinach, cabbage, carrots, and maybe peas. The corn was not eaten the same way that we would eat it on a cob. They actually turned it into cornmeal. Like it was boiled, pounded into this thick corn mush, and basically given as like a porridge. What do you call it? Like, a, yeah, porridge, right? Porridge, yeah. Cranberries, which, you know, we think today, like, well, you're going to make that, you know, yeah, boiled cranberries and sugar. No, because not only there was no that, sugar, yeah. there was no sugar, exactly. The other one that I saw, like, I think mashed potatoes, that's like one of the staples. And, they said that there was probably highly likely no potatoes because potatoes were native to South America, which they were then brought over by the Spaniards into Europe around 1570. But even though they were brought in like late 1500s, they weren't really that popular enough to make their way back on the Mayflower. So likely these guys did not have potatoes during the first Thanksgiving. They probably just ate uh, Native American turnips. And as for pumpkin pie, mm, they did eat no. pumpkins. Yeah, maybe. Probably right, they maybe. were there. They they can eat. They can eat them. But again, they they weren't making pumpkin pie recipes. They didn't have those Absolutely. sorts. Of, they they weren't able to do those sorts of things at the time. Like you said before, there was probably no real pies. So, but the, it is a celebration. It lasts three days. Which imagine yep. a three day Thanksgiving now. That'd be kind of fun, possibly. That would be kind of fun. Um, which I think people kind of do things like that now when they go and you know have a Thanksgiving and then. Other traditions we'll talk about now, which is like go shopping. or the, Yeah. But How yeah. does this become a holiday? Let's run through that history. It's not known as a Thanksgiving. It's known as a day of fasting and then a day of Thanksgiving kind of back to back whenever mm -hmm. they're going to have some sort of like big occasion. All right. And then it starts to become annual. And it, it kind of sticks for the most part. And even during the American Revolution, the Continental Congress designate one or more days a year for Thanksgiving. So it's, it's more than one. Washington, the first president, I think we talked about this on our first ever podcast. We talked about Washington, his first. He issued the first Thanksgiving proclamation by the government in the United States. And it called upon Americans to express 
their happiness, their gratitude at the country's war for independence. So he calls for a day of Thanksgiving. John Adams does the same thing. John, James Madison does the same thing. But they were on different days. It wasn't it is set time. There's no standardized um, yet. Just yet. New York in 1817 is one of the first states to actually adopt an annual Thanksgiving. But they celebrated on different days. The South, a lot of times, had it on different days. The American South had it on different days. So it, it's not really set in a certain spot. What really starts to become a national Thanksgiving is a woman by the name of what? Sarah Josephina Hale, right? Yeah, Mary she Had a Little Lamb. She created Mary Had a Little Lamb, both of other ones. And she kind of creates a campaign to launch a Thanksgiving national holiday. And she does this for like for 36, 36 years. Six years. She's That's trying to get this like put in place. So she had she had her plan. She was going to get this to happen. And for she's 36 like, years, she's writing editorials. She's sending yeah. letters to governors, senators, presidents. I remember 36 years, presidents change often. She yeah. is just on this quest to create an actual national Thanksgiving. National holiday years. Thanksgiving. And she That's becomes nuts. known as the mother of Thanksgiving. Everyone, every state, every area is doing this. Towns are doing this. We need a national one. And the president that finally agreed or finally went with it was Abraham Lincoln. This is yeah. because of the Civil War. In 1863, he basically says, you know, we need to have a natural day of Thanksgiving. Mainly he does it because of all the widows and orphans and people who like lost family members that they need to have some sort of like, we have to heal the wounds of the nation. So he schedules Thanksgiving for the final Thursday in November. And that's where it was celebrated pretty much every year uh, up until 1939 when FDR moved the holiday up a week. Franksgiving, they call it after Franklin. Yeah, Franksgiving, yeah. So because he's basically trying to get retailers like a more Christmas holiday season because people will refuse to shop for the holidays until after until Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Which is really what you saw, I would say, really up until the mid 2000s, right? Maybe give or yeah. take. And now you see Christmas stuff out right during Halloween. Literally, I went shopping like yesterday. My younger son needed a sweatshirt. So I'm like, all right, let's go to the mall. Like he's going to get you a couple of sweatshirts. There's no such thing as Black Friday. Like literally Black Friday sale. Black. I'm like, yeah, they do yeah, I'm looking at there sweatshirts. Might, there might be some extra things maybe yeah there, but, but all this stuff is pretty much out they just call it that it's a marketing as a marketing thing that's all it is it's a market ploy but yeah that's what anyway that was roosevelt really putting that in a place to try to spur up retail sales well, he got he got in trouble for that he got in trouble well, people didn't really like it yeah they kind of didn't really like it having being moved up so much and then in 41 he signed a bill making thanksgiving the fourth thursday in november and that's where it's stuck and that's where it's always going to be because sometimes it's actually five thursdays in november so they needed to have like a different they would celebrate it different times so they said no it's yeah. always going to be the fourth thursday in november and then that's really where it sticks from 1941 on that's where it's going to be it's a national holiday because of lincoln and then later roosevelt and it becomes a major american holiday and then you're going to have all these traditions that really start here and that's really what it is about it's not really a religious significance you know it's all about just yeah. having a bountiful meal with family with friends and you're having and giving thanks to what you have. And there's some other things in it too that we'll talk about, but that's really where, where it comes from. And if you see in what I thought was interesting is you look at it, it kind of fits with American folklore or America, just Americana, because what are they celebrating? They're celebrating the end of the revolutionary war. They're celebrating the end of the step, celebrating this, you know, their civil war, yeah. civil war and then world war two in 41. Yeah. Like it's, they're all revolves around conflict. And then what are we going to do? We have to give thanks for what we do have. And it's a very American thing. It's celebrating other countries too. Canada, I think Brazil, its roots are in the United States. 
or what becomes you know, United I, States. Yeah, and I actually think of Norman Rockwell's uh, Freedom from Want, yeah. which is a very famous Norman Rockwell painting where you see the woman and the whole family is around the dinner table, Thanksgiving feast, and she's putting the turkey down. And so that comes from, obviously, World War II, reminding the American people what we're fighting for, which is freedom from fear, freedom from want, freedom of worship, and freedom of speech. But it's interesting because out of those four freedoms to remind Americans what they're fighting for, Norman Rockwell, who basically painted America, the story of America, chose Thanksgiving to showcase like what you're fighting for, which again, kind of adds a little bit to this Thanksgiving holiday. However, if you look at the statistics, not everyone eats a turkey. And I noticed from my own family, I'm sure you know from yours, about 90% of Americans eat turkey. Well, you have, I guess, vegetarians aren't going to eat it, but most well, a lot people... people eat ham. People like eat ham and other things. That's usually, that's probably the closest substitute, right? Well, you can be like my family that has lasagna, ham, and turkey. Oh, wow. So we have all, we have all of them. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So, but anyway, yeah, so most people eat a turk, eat, eat a bird, eat, eat, yeah, eat, a, eat a turkey. And that really came about what in the 1800s, there was like a campaign to get turkeys eaten on Thanksgiving. Yep. So that was kind of, that was kind of like a reason for it. And it was like, basically you had the uh, Georgia Augusta Chronicle in 1882 said, every person who can't afford a turkey or procure it will sacrifice the noble American fowl on that day. So it, it kind of becomes synonymous with Turkey, again, for because of those Norman Rockwell paintings and stuff. But then you have these like campaigns out there that how important it is to have a turkey because it's supposed to be seen as this like feast. Right? And usually yeah. it was actually a Christmas feast. A Christmas turkey was a big thing. And then they, they kind of moved it up to Thanksgiving. So I think one of the big things is that a lot of, and it becomes even bigger, is that parades become a really big part. In, yes. the, in the cities, in the towns across the United States. And the biggest one starts in 1924 with the Macy's Department Store Parade, right? Yes. That's the one that you put on TV and, and goes down um, in New York City. And um, it's it's the largest and most famous attractions. About you know two or three million people do it. It's about two and a half miles long. I remember years ago when I was in, I don't know, I guess, college, beginning of college, I actually worked at Macy's. And you were allowed, if you wanted to go, you could go to New York and they would – these are all volunteers. Be one of the balloon holders or march in a parade. But you had to get there at like four o'clock in the morning. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good. Yeah. So I wasn't going to do it. But you, we were allowed to. It was one of the things they told us. It was like a perk. I'm like, how is getting up at four o'clock in the morning a perk of the job? But anyway. I, I'm not sure if you saw this, but Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade was originally called Macy's Christmas Parade. Mm-hmm. It happened on Thanksgiving, but it was meant to kick off the holiday shopping Macy's. season because, well, because again, Macy's shopping. So it was called Macy's ever, Christmas Parade. And, and Christmas crazy. Parade, and anyone who watches the end of the parade to the end, which we always had to do in my household, was who, who comes out the end of the parade, but it's Santa Claus. That's the whole yep. point. That, you know, Santa Claus is coming out. It's ushering in there, like you said, the beginning of the shopping season. And then Macy's is synonymous with Santa Claus, too. Miracle on 34th Street and everything of that nature. Yeah. Also interesting, the first uh, parade, when it started in 1924, wow, it's going to be 100 years next year. That should be a big parade. Yeah. It, it didn't have many balloons, per se. It they actually balloons. brought it, out. It, it did, but not well. many. It, no. it brought out Central Park Zoo lent their animals. Um <laughs> 
Things were wild back then. Like yeah. people that think, I'm just gonna walk a lion down. Like that's yeah, what it was. Like, you're not kidding. Lions, <laughs> elephants, bears, monkeys, camels. Like they're like, all right, that's what's gonna that's what's gonna walk in a parade. The most appearances of any balloon, by the way, is Snoopy. Been around since '68. Jesus, what's well, a synonymous one? Probably Snoopy, the Macy Stars, and you have like yeah. all the other like famous cartoon characters. You always have new ones every year. You have ones that you know promoting a movie or a book and stuff like that. You know, Trolls, I think, has been a big one. I know that movie just came out, but I know Superman, right? So you have the cartoons of the day, Popeye. That they're all going to come out, and it's just something to always see. But they actually advertise the balloons now. If you watch it, like, oh, coming up, you're going to see, you know. Watch yeah, the yeah. Charles balloon, watch Barbie come by and stuff like that. Oh, I want to make sure I see that balloon. So and then they have the floats out of different things. So it's just become like part of Americana. That's what you do. You wake up and, and you start cooking the turkey because it's going to take six hours to cook and you're going to yeah. watch the Thanksgiving Day parade and then go wherever you have to football. do or people are going to come over your house, whatever you have to do. And that just becomes, well, football, we'll get to that. That becomes another. So when I looked into this, the idea of football, it traditional- This is American football, football Peter, not your- Yes, not I people. know. Okay, the traditional football, oh, there's kicking, huh? <laughs> Uh, the traditional football on Thanksgiving actually started with a college ball. It was the first like tradition of playing football on Thanksgiving that was watched by anyone not on TV by any means. This is 1876. It was a game between Yale and Princeton. That was the first like traditional game that yeah. started. And, and-, and people watched it because they were, everyone was off from work. Yeah, so they went to closed. watch it after they so, ate. So since it was... No one had work. Oh, let's watch this sporting event. And the only thing that was going on was at the time football, which was relatively young in this time right the 18 when was it again yeah 1870s yeah because that's pretty much the beginning of football well then you have the first thanksgiving day football game professional play game was played in 1920 and it was often in 1920s it was sent to people's homes via radio so you would mm-hmm. sit at the radio after you ate to listen to pro football you know games so yeah it's six football so, games it's synonymous with, with the holiday because of that and now that's it <laughs> like that's what you do you watch you know, they, they have they have multiple games on that day well, there was six football games in 1920, the first time that there was official f- of football during Thanksgiving Day. But I'm looking at these teams, and I don't really know any of them. They don't not, I don't, none of them are really here anymore. Chicago Boosters, Chicago it? Tigers. Well, a lot of these predates the NFL. That's yeah. Uh, this is a fun one. Jingle Bells was originally a Thanksgiving a song. A Thanksgiving Day song. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. 1857. Well, because Thanksgiving is the biggest travel day of the year. People want to get there for Thanksgiving. Right. So that's what that plays about. You're dashing through the snow in a one horse open sleigh through the hills we go, laughing all the way. Because they're going to visit grandma, whoever, to get there in time for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And there's a ton of movies that have come out every year about like people trying to get there for Thanksgiving. Like you always play what uh, planes, trains, and automobiles. That's a big one. There's a bunch of other movies. I'm sure they, they only do, I'm thinking of all those Hallmark movies that my wife watches. I don't think any of them are revolve around Thanksgiving. They're usually all Christmas. No, at all Christmas. But yeah, trust me, anyway. I know. Well, my wife watches them too. Yes. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I always pretend I don't watch it. Like, I'll walk past and I'm like, Ugh, this movie. Like, what well, they're is all this? the same. They're all the they're same. All the plot. same plot. Um, it's like uh, a hardworking ad executive goes back to a small town and finds true love. With literally, of uh, one one or the other. Or some of them actually have Santa in it too, and then Santa's like, yeah, some are magical. I always get sucked in. Like, I pretend. Peter, I Peter, don't. Peter. They're all magical. Okay. They're all magic. That's They're right. You know, it. you know. It. <laughs> However, I do get sucked in. I'm not going to lie. I never sit to watch, but I'm always around it looks, watching. It gets it. confusing too, because a lot of times it's the same actors, in it different is. ones. So it's like, wait, what is going on? But yeah. Did but anyway, know, but yeah, I didn't. Know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I did not. I don't know how I did not know this, but did you know there's a turkey talk line? 
What's, oh, the Help You Eat Turkeys? Yeah. It was first opened in 1981. And in the U.S. and Canadian homes, it's opened every November and December. It's a unique hotline which you could actually call. And they were like, help you. It's called the it's Butterball Company Turkey Talk Line. And uh, they help okay. you like uh, you know, answer your questions about cooking your turkey. Now they also have online chat like option. Yeah. So and you can- I mean, before actually uh, we had to pull out the neck and the giblets and all that stuff from the turkey that we're getting ready to cook. Uh. So um, I just looked it up on YouTube because I've never actually done that before. And my wife was like, I am not doing this. So <laughs> nice. I was like, all right, well, I'll, I guess I'm being volunteered to do it. Even though my boys were more than happy to do it possibly. But I was like, no, 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 I got it. So we just got ripped. We, we had to pull that out. Just, yeah, I found it on YouTube right away. One, two, three, just to find it. Usually they let it fall a little bit more. I was trying to tell my wife, but it was still frozen solid turkey. Preparing a turkey is a lot more complicated than I think uh, people realized. I, mean, I Even I didn't know how to like, cook it for that long. All right, so let's be honest here because if – Also, why they probably didn't have it the first Thanksgiving then if it took this long to cook. Exactly, right? Well, they had deer. But well, then it wasn't frozen either. But anyway. Statistically, statistics, you know, I guess sometimes they lie, but mostly they're there. Statistics point to the fact that 68% of Americans actually dislike the dishes they eat on Thanksgiving, which include cranberry sauce, which you normally don't eat, pumpkin pie, which believe it or not – Americans actually prefer apple, apple pie. Right, apples are warm, but pumpkin pie they'll eat on Thanksgiving. <laughs> exactly, but they wouldn't go for it in like you know in May. Yeah. Um, and what I also read about the pumpkin pie part is here off the topic, but the pumpkin pie apparently the recipe is like the same, almost the same as it was like in the 1700s. It hasn't really changed that much. Pumpkin pie, the actual recipe, like I, it's cool. With, it's good with Cool Whip. I like it if you put. Yeah, cool Whip but then on you're it. just tasting Cool Whip. Well, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you cheater! Um, I like cherry pie. I, I I like. I bought a cocktail. really. Oh no, I'm like, an apple guy. Apple, no, no, no problem with apple. Don't get me wrong, but nice cherry pie. So, according to the survey, turkey itself is really not liked as well. People eat it because it's tradition. However, they say that 30% of Thanksgiving dinners in America, this poll that was done in 2019, say that something else rather than turkey is served as, as even the main course sometimes. Pork is the second most popular option. Mm, yeah, um, I see that. And like, even for myself, when I think about it, like I don't eat turkey. I mean, I'll have like a turkey sandwich here and there, but I don't eat turkey. On like Thanksgiving? No. Oh, ex- no, Thanksgiving I do, but like besides Thanksgiving. Well, no, it's also because like you said before, it takes long to prepare. If you're gonna, I guess you can get like smaller ones, obviously. But yeah, the only other times I, I mean, yeah, I'll eat like turkey sandwiches. You get on like um, but that's know, slice it. or whatever. But like yeah. uh, sometimes theme parks or like fairs, they have those giant turkey legs. Those oh yeah, that's different. Yeah, those are good. But yeah, you're not gonna usually you're gonna eat chicken or yeah, you're gonna get like the wings or something like that. Or you know, I guess you're not getting turkeys. You don't usually making turkeys other times through throughout the year just because well, i think it's so, it's so synonymous with thanksgiving and because it's so it does take so long to cook it yeah but talking about how much turkey's left over it's the reason we have tv dinners this is yes. a fun story right in 1953 swanson and company that is known for making tv dinners overestimated number of frozen turkeys the company needed to order for thanksgiving so it was left with 260 tons of extra turkey the swanson company so they're like what do we do we don't want to like eat the loss uh, literally. So um, the salesman named Gary Thomas came up with an idea. So like, you know what? Why don't we just create and sell individual turkey dinners? Like we'll throw in cornbread dressing, gravy peas, even sweet potatoes and these trays that you could like kind of similar to airline meals at the time in the 50s. Each turkey dinner or TV dinner that you could throw in in the oven for, you know, eventually became microwave cost 98 cents. This little tray, you throw it in, it's all done. 
Um, All the trimmings, right? And that is what made Swanson, the company, literally iconic because of over... TV dinners. That's what it was. Yeah, that TV dinner, like the brown gravy. Yeah, remember that. Um, Speaking of turkey, so that was 1953. This happened a couple of days ago, this anniversary. In November 19th of 1963 was the date of the first turkey being pardoned. So HW, um, yeah. HW, right? Well, that he made the tradition, but the first turkey that was ever pardoned was actually in 1963 by John F. Kennedy. He supposedly says, we'll just let this one grow old. It's our Thanksgiving present to him. So he did that actually on November 19th, which was just a few days before the 22nd when he goes to Dallas. And that whole fiasco happens. Um, when he's By the way, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, since we're on that um, and we are recording this the day before the 60th anniversary. Uh, of JFK shooting, there's a really cool documentary I just watched on Paramount Plus. So it's interviews with the doctors from Parkland Hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that were actually like in that room. Yeah, there's a awesome. movie about that too. Yeah, I, I highly recommend films. it. It was really, really good. I do highly recommend that. So Kennedy was the first one to do it, but George W. Bush in 1989 was the one that started the annual tradition that they still do today. And they will officially pardon a turkey on Thanksgiving. Uh, probably the turkeys don't live that old that long anyway. They kind of die. These are kind of like bred only to live yeah. to that time and then they die. Um, and they're mostly all turkeys consumed on Thanksgiving are mostly males, I think I saw. They tend to yeah, be yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, but I what I saw that. was interesting, getting on the turkey again, I know we're, fact, we're focusing on turkey so much, is that this as the size of turkeys have constantly increased over the years, as Americans have gotten bigger, the size yes. of the turkeys have also gotten bigger because we basically consumed 22 million of them just yeah. on uh, during that time. It just gives you an idea. The average American will consume 4,500 calories and 20, 229 grams of fat on Thanksgiving Day. And the average caloric intake for a person is 2,000 per day. <laughs> so you get wow. more than double it. And they said like a typical adult needs to spend 10 hours on a steady pace, like jogging on a treadmill to burn off the average Thanksgiving Day meal. And if most people tend to gain at least one pound between Thanksgiving and Christmas, I would think it a bit more than that. Probably adds to it is the day before. So, which is, I didn't know it was officially, because everyone always comes back, you know, from college and somewhere else. Yeah. This is the night before Thanksgiving is where people have off, knowing that the next day is off. They go out. And apparently it's known as Drinksgiving. I did not know this. I know um, it was a big, I remember when we were in college, though, I remember they were all saying it was a big day going out to yeah, you go out. Then the, the Wednesday night. The, yeah, the day before Thanksgiving. I remember also the day after Thanksgiving was a big day though too. I remember going out the, the Wednesday before, but I, I didn't know it was I, called Drinksgiving or some some people even dub it like the Black Wednesday. Uh, yeah, bars, heard, yeah, they'll go out know, and just making tons of money because everyone, a lot of the college kids are home, so yeah, they they don't want to stay any more time with their parents, so let's go out to the bars and. Well, Uber, did you see that Uber started offering free rides on Wednesday night before Thanksgiving? Yep. It's like their new thing. Everyone thinks of like Black Friday, you know, shopping, but actually Black Friday. So the Friday after Thanksgiving is the busiest day for plumbers in the United States. (laughs) I kid you not. No, Uh, like someone did a study on this in 2017. I've never heard that. I've never heard that. Busiest days of the year. Um, (laughs) It's gross, but Roto-Rooter Plumbing and Water Cleaning Company actually calls Friday after Thanksgiving Brown Friday. (laughs) Well, that that goes in what I was going to say, what I was talking about before, is that the average um, weight of a turkey in 1960 was 17 pounds. Now it's 31 pounds. Jesus. (laughs) Right? And the average weight of an American male in 1960 was 166 pounds. And now it's uh, 198 pounds, the average weight. The size has increased. And as the size increased, 
I guess that's going to lead to the the plumbing issues that that you're um, that you're talking. <laughs> I had about no there. idea this was a thing. Like that literally just like floored me. I was like, "What? I got to make a note of this." Like when I was prepping for this, I'm like, this, "I had to come back to this." Also, apparently, this is kind of funny. In 1926, President Calvin Coolidge, on the day of Thanksgiving for his Thanksgiving dinner, like some local farmers were supposed to gift him a, a turkey. And they publicly gifted him a live raccoon. Did you see this? Yeah. Okay. So he was like, uh, and they're like, we could eat the raccoon. <laughs> he was like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm not going to eat this raccoon. This is 1920s. So he decided to actually keep the raccoon as a pet. And it became his pet while he was president of the United States. Him and his wife were apparently animal lovers. So uh, they even supposedly had bear and a, a bear and a lion, lion cubs, right, as, uh, as pets. So the raccoon kind of fit right in. No, no thank you. No well, I'm sure there are people who, you know, they're going to give thanks that they have this raccoon to eat. So more power to Great. you. Well, I thought one thing was kind of interesting. What state has the most travel to during Thanksgiving? Ooh, I don't know. Hold on. Wait. Uh... Make, think about it for a second. It'll make sense. So remember, most people travel on Thanksgiving. Where are they going to travel to? If they're going to go visit like their parents. Uh yeah, where a lot, where a lot of people from the Northeast go when they get yeah. older? Florida, 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 Florida has more traveled than any other place on the Earth during really? Thanksgiving or in the United States. Yeah, hmm. because they're all everyone's going there, I guess, to visit parents and stuff like that. I'm sure, like the Disney, I guess Disney's probably big at that time too, right? You know what? Like, yeah, but what really gets me is when you think of like the Black Friday deals, right? And the Black Friday shopping, because now they extended it to like 6 p.m. on on Thanksgiving. Like it's yeah, a lot midnight. of stores have a lot. Yes, but a lot of stores have gone away from that. Like, I remember when I used to work retail, I was in high school, early college. A lot of times Thanksgiving, yeah, they closed early on Thanksgiving. But recently, a lot of them actually closed on Thanksgiving because they're like, now they want our employees to stay home. And they realized people don't really come after a certain time. Because I was at some of those stores, I'd be working there. And they're like, there was nobody there from a certain period of time. It's like, why are we even here? And the next day is different. Black Friday is totally different. They'll say, listen, we'll close on Thursday, but Black Friday will be open. But now so much is more is done on uh, online yeah. than anything else. So it's kind of – people still go to those stores, but like, you can get those same deals online, if you, I guess, if you're tech savvy or just know how to, like, do it. But it's still a major shopping day. But a lot of families also, as part of their tradition, is that they're going to go and not camp out, but I guess go early, late at night and go to, like, a midnight opening. at used to be Toys R Us. We used to go for a couple of years. Oh, my God, I love Toys R Us. When Toys R Us opened up at midnight. On Black Friday, let's go in. We didn't even know what we were looking for. Let's <laughs> just hey, grab something. <laughs> you know, I just feel bad for the workers. You know, like it's 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 messed up. It's Thanksgiving. You know, yeah, well, know. they're giving thanks that they're working retail. I guess that pretty much sums up our Thanksgiving. I cannot believe after like this is three years of doing this podcast, we never did a Thanksgiving. It just episode. shows that you know there's so many more things. I mean, there's endless number of things we could explore. Yeah. So that fact that we've never we never got to this one yet. So. Yeah, that's that. So uh, a few announcements. One, we are now on YouTube, guys. So if for some reason you find it easier to listen to this podcast, I mean, obviously you're already listening to it because, you know, you are listening to it. Uh, but if you want to let your friends know, uh, we are on YouTube and we are going to be adding more videos and things. Right now, it's mostly just our podcast, but at least it is now a thing. So we're excited about that. Please do continue sending in any of your suggestions. We do write them down and we do eventually get to them. Uh, there is a list. So uh, we kind of put it on a list and, you know, it might take a while, but we do get to it. Also, supposed to do an electrish that I used to do every couple of weeks. Uh, it now has its own dedicated podcast channel and it's called History Shorts. So you guys could check that out as well. Pretty much it. You know, continue following us. We are everywhere. You could find us everywhere. Hopefully people like it. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, the fact I think you know we've accomplished so much in three years, so it's something to be thankful for in this Thanksgiving. There you right. go, full circle, Pete. Full there circle, indeed. So, uh, thank you so much. If you guys need to find us, you can find us on www.historyteacherstalkingpodcast.com. We are there to answer any of your questions. And you know what? Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. We appreciate you. Thank you, and we'll see you guys again next week. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Paul Brandis introducing my podcast, Countdown to Dallas. It's a fascinating, in-depth look at the seemingly unconnected events that led to the assassination of President John F. Kennedy. It's based on my book of the same title. In that book and in this podcast, I go all the way back to 1939, when Lee Harvey Oswald was born into a troubled and dysfunctional family. I'll follow his transient and often violent teenage years and young adulthood, painting a fuller picture of the man who would later become Kennedy's killer. I also take a look at events unfolding in that era, like Cuba and Vietnam, and I'll unpack the conspiracy theories too, not one of which has ever been conclusively proven. Subscribe to Countdown to Dallas at evergreenpodcasts.com or your favorite listening app, October 31st.